The cities that had mass protests against police brutality have not seen a rise in coronavirus cases. Rhode Island's name is going to be changing to Rhode Island. We'll explain in a second. And if you're wondering why your nights are being constantly punctuated by the sound of fireworks, you aren't alone. We've got BuzzFeed News reporter Caroline Haskins with us to talk about what's behind the bangs. The date, June 24th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Hayes, first of all, to start this off, can the news please slow down? I feel like that one TikTok about all the stories rushing into each other just keeps getting more and more accurate. Right. I concur entirely. And on that note, two things we want to mention up top that changed up after our episode yesterday published. First, we discussed the FBI investigation into the Bubba Wallace incident during our interview with Jay Busby. But later in the evening, NASCAR announced that the FBI had completed their investigation and found that the noose that was found in Wallace's garage had been there since last year and determined that Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. And also, turns out, there is going to be baseball this year after all. The Major League Players Association came to an agreement with the team owners last night to have a 60-game season. Now, though, it's time for the TLDR, the most important headlines for the day brought to the top of your feed. Here are three things you need to know today. One, coronavirus cases continue to rise in the U.S., but research says that it hasn't been because of the protests against police brutality. The trend lines for new coronavirus cases and hospitalizations continue to track upward as states press forward with ending their stay-at-home orders. But despite fears that the hundreds of thousands of people taking to the streets after the death of George Floyd would contribute to an even higher number of cases, according to a new study from researchers at San Diego University, the University of Colorado Denver, and Bentley University, that just has not been the case. There's a number of reasons that have been considered, but one of the most surprising is that according to cell phone data tracking, social distancing actually increased in cities with large protests as people who weren't marching were more likely to stay home. It's one of the few bright spots in news about the virus spread when most of it is somewhere between be careful and this is horrible. Just yesterday, Dr. Anthony Fauci, one of the top doctors at the National Institute of Health, said this to Congress about the current state of play. We were going down from 30,000 to 25 to 20, and now we sort of stayed about flat, and now we're going up. A couple of days ago, there were 30,000 new infections. That's very troublesome to me. Right now, the next couple of weeks are going to be critical in our ability to address those surgings that we're seeing in Florida, in Texas, in Arizona, and in other states. They're not the only ones. Two. Primary elections yesterday had a few surprises and could be a preview of a long wait for results in November. In one of the most watched races, first-term Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC, won her first election defending her seat in Queens. And the primary race for the seat formerly held by Trump's chief of staff Mark Meadows in North Carolina didn't go to the candidate that the president endorsed. Instead, it went to 24-year-old Madison Cawthorn. If he wins the seat in November, Cawthorn, who uses a wheelchair after an auto accident left him paralyzed from the waist down, would replace AOC as the youngest elected member of Congress. A lot of races remain up in the air, though, as of Wednesday morning. That's because with expanded access to absentee ballots in New York and Kentucky, there are still a lot of uncounted ballots. That includes the race to take on Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Right now, 
former Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Amy McGrath has a slight lead over State Representative Charles Booker, whose campaign has really taken off in the last few weeks. With the push to have broader access to mail-in voting this fall comes the chance that we might not know for sure who won the presidential election for days, if not a week, after Election Day. So brace yourselves now, friends, for a lot of tweets on this matter. And three. A former prosecutor told Congress today that the decision to give a reduced sentence to Roger Stone, one of Trump's closest allies, came from the highest levels of the Department of Justice. Stone was one of the president's closest advisors during the 2016 election, and according to the Mueller investigation, he gave then-candidate Trump a heads-up that WikiLeaks would be releasing damaging information about Hillary Clinton. In February, Stone was convicted of lying to the FBI and trying to sabotage the Russia investigation. But according to Aaron Zelensky, who is one of the lead prosecutors on the Russia investigation, an order came down from the DOJ to basically let Stone off the hook in April. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler asked Zelensky about it during today's hearing into political interference in the Department of Justice. But leadership at the department wanted a lower sentence. When you asked the department why they wanted a below-guideline sentence for Mr. Stone, you were told it was, quote, political and because the U.S. attorney was afraid of the president. Is that correct? That's correct. What did you understand that to mean? I I understood, as described in my written statement, to mean that political considerations were weighing in the U.S. attorney's decision uh, and that the concern about uh, the president was driving his decision-making process. And what were you told could happen to you if you refused to go along with this lower recommendation? Uh, We were told that we could be fired. Zelensky and three of his counterparts decided to withdraw from the case back in April and resign instead of pushing forward with the lower recommendations. Okay, I am into the TLDR today because it is filled with facts that I can use in my day to day life. Because, okay, number one, I don't know how many times I've heard people going like the protests, it's going to cause rises in coronavirus. It's the protest fault, the protest. And I'm like, okay, well, listen to this. Yeah. Second, I feel like for the past year, AOC has had been up against people that are like, it was a fluke. It was a fluke that you won. And guess what? It's not a fluke. Absolutely. And I'm really interested to see how that race in North Carolina shapes up. I mean, it's 90% likely at this point that Cawthorn takes over as the youngest member of the House when the new Congress is seated. And I'm just really, really curious to see how he and AOC work together, what their dynamic is going to be. I think it's going to be fascinating. All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. First, the good news. Miley Cyrus revealed that she's six months clean and sober and she's loving the decision. So Miley spoke out about her sobriety on an episode of the Big Ticket podcast saying that she first made the choice when she had vocal cord surgery in November. But after that, Miley decided to stick with it. And she said she's happy about it, even if sometimes other people around her are not. Being young, you know, there's that stigma of like, you're no fun. And it's like, honey, I know you. You can call me a lot of things, but I know that I'm fun. So I know that I'm fun. And the thing that I love about it is waking up 100%, 100% of the time. And this isn't the first time that Miley has publicly spoken about her sobriety. Back in 2017, Miley spoke with Billboard about how she'd given up drinking and drugs for three weeks, saying, quote, I like to surround myself with people that make me want to get better, more evolved, open. And I was noticing it's not the people that are stoned. I want to be super clear and sharp because I know exactly where I want to be. I mean, honestly, 
good for her. Child star life seems rough as hell, and it it's affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So good for her for like knowing like where her boundaries are and where she wants to be. Definitely. I mean, I'm sure that is such a difficult thing that you and I could never even conceptualize what that life feels like. And I also like to say, like, I think it's always such like a personal, it is a personal choice about what your relationship with weed is. For a lot of people, it's their healthcare. It's how they, for people with chronic pain. And so, yes, for some people, it's good. And for some people, it's like, you know what, maybe it's not for me. And so I think it's a healthy decision for her to figure that out for herself. And we've got a double dose of good news for you today. The state of Rhode Island will be changing its full name to drop the word plantations, which, if you're like me, I did not know that was a thing. It turns out the state's full name has been the state of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations this whole time. Governor Gina Raimondo signed an executive order on Monday saying that the full name will no longer be used on official documents. The full legislature will vote on formally changing the name to just Rhode Island in November. And if you're confused about this, uh, clearly you are not alone. Most of the comments on Twitter about this have been some variation of what? That was a thing? I I learned about this. I feel like not even that long ago, like two years ago at most, I learned this was a thing. And the history behind it is so convoluted. Casey, can I tell you about this really quick? Yes, please. Please. I need to know everything about this. Yeah. So the full name explains why Rhode Island is not an island. Actually, there is an island that was Rhode Island, but it's called Aquidnik Island these days, not Rhode Island. It gets worse. So Providence Plantations were where the capital Providence is now and the town next door. Those made up the plantations, plural. But somehow the name Rhode Island became the name that everyone used. And to make things even more freaking confusing, the plantations in question weren't like Southern plantations. There weren't slaves. It was just what you called an English colony back when it was founded. Like, ah, the Virginia plantations. That That's just what it was. And so I'm glad that they're changing it, but it's so confusing. It is confusing. And I love that this is now the second fact I know about Rhode Island. The first I know from... My roommate in college, who's from Rhode Island, and when we lived together, I'd said, like, where are you from? And she said, oh, Borington, Rhode Island. And I didn't learn until three years later that there's no place called Borington. It's called Barrington. And she was making a joke because it's boring. And I'm like, why would I know that? Why would I know that? (laughs) Oh, man, that's like assuming that, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Bumblefuck, North Carolina. Well, that's an odd name. After this break, we've got BuzzFeed News' Caroline Haskins with us to talk about those fireworks you've been hearing every damn night. Be right back. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support support you're not getting from your current sports bra it's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market it's time to feel real support from SheFit. save ten dollars today at shefit.com 2022 hi everybody i'm rachel bonetta and i have my very own podcast called benched with bonetta you kidding me Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it, odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. 
I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs! DMs now open. We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. Welcome back. If you're like us, you've been hearing a lot of fireworks over the last few weeks, like a lot. Spend some time on Twitter and you'll find out that you're not alone. People everywhere are complaining about the pew pew sounds keeping them up late into the night. Yesterday, New York City announced a crackdown on these fireworks, but is that really necessary? And are we in the middle of a nightly war against sleep or are people just really excited to be back outside? We're joined by BuzzFeed news reporter Caroline Haskins, who's been all over this explosive story. Hi, Caroline. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's start with the situation in New York City. Yeah. So certainly in my neighborhood and, you know, from what I'm hearing, like really across the city, um, I mean, fireworks, notably, I mean, they're a pretty normal part of summer in Brooklyn, really across the country, like like a lot of times in any major city. Um, But there has been like significantly more fireworks compared to previous years. And just to give a sense of it, I mean, just based off of 311 complaints, excuse me. Uh, I mean, there have been over 1,600 in a one-week period compared to, I mean, about a dozen the the year before for that same equivalent period. So, I mean, we know that we're hearing more than usual. It's not all in our heads. Um, But there's a couple of competing things going on here. Um, So, I mean, on one hand, like, people have been really cooped up for a while and they're kind of trying to like enjoy their summer. And especially given like the financial difficulties that have come along with COVID-19. I mean, fireworks are probably one of the cheapest ways to like go outside and like actually like have some fun and like have like a little bit of joy and like the despair that governs our everyday lives. Um, but then there are other people that are arguing, well, it's disturbing my infant child. It's disturbing my pet, you know, people with PTSD, people with sensory sensitivities, uh, like people with autism and such, um, like all of these populations could be sort of made vulnerable. Speaking of, um, Mayor Bill de Blasio yesterday announced a new initiative to sort of crack down on the fireworks. What can you tell us about that? 
Right. So basically, he announced that he would be forming a task force that involves over 40 law enforcement officials. Um, and this comes from, I mean, various levels of policing, including like some people from the fire department, some people from uh, like policing, etc. Um, and they claim that what they're going to do is go after the big fish, the distributors. They said, you know, we're not concerned with the kid on the block. We're concerned with uh, <laughs> we're concerned with going after the suppliers. I mean, but we've just seen with the protests that have happened in the city and the way that police have been responding to uh, to protesters. Um, I don't know how confident anybody living in the city is or could reasonably be that police would exercise restraint, empathy, and understanding and stick by the guidelines that the mayor is telling them to do. No, I mean, it definitely seems like overkill right now. Um, And as we mentioned, this isn't just happening in New York City. It's definitely a nightly occurrence over here in L.A. When did people start noticing that this was a nationwide phenomenon? I think probably over the past couple of weeks. I mean, definitely this month after Memorial Day. So something that was kind of illustrated when I talked to uh, one of the, like a, a person who sells fireworks in Pennsylvania, because I noticed there was packaging on the street. So I called the person who sells that, uh, that particular brand of fireworks. He's based in Pennsylvania. That's the closest uh, state to New York that sells fireworks. And I think that a lot of what we're seeing is that Places that sell fireworks, I mean, those would be classified as non-essential businesses, those were kind of closed through Memorial Day because of restrictions due to COVID. And then they all sort of started to open up, at least in Pennsylvania and probably around the country, at around the same time. So this was like the first weekend of June. And then, you know, you have these distributors and they know that events like baseball games or places where people normally gather with professional-grade fireworks which normally brings in a lot of money and a lot of revenue for these places, they're not going to have that revenue stream coming into their businesses. So they're like, okay, I guess what we have to do is push this consumer-grade fireworks. We have to do like sales. We have to do promotions. We have to like really sell like the kinds of fireworks that people can just like use in their own backyards. And so that's basically what they've been doing. And they said that sales have been like skyrocketing. I mean, I guess no pun intended. I don't know if that's a pun. (laughs) No, we accept puns here. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but basically they said that sales have been up, I mean, like on a weekly basis, like anywhere between 15 to 200% compared to previous years. So yeah, part of this is definitely the distribution side of thing from vendors uh, and just selling more and bigger fireworks. Is that all the blame or is there another reason to explain why this is happening everywhere or seems even worse than normal? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, talking to organizers, some people have sort of theorized that the display of fireworks has been a show of solidarity with uh, people who have been protesting um, against police brutality and as a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. I spoke to I spoke to one organizer, Amani Henry from uh, Equality for Flatbush, and he told me about how he was with this group of protesters that it's sort of been, you know, brutalized and beaten around by police. I mean, basically the whole day, this was one of the first major weekends of protest shortly after uh, George Floyd was killed by police. And then he said sort of at the peak of things, there were people that were, I mean, kind of close by and just started setting off fireworks. And he described it as something that he saw as like beautiful and like a pretty obvious act of solidarity given the context. And so 
I mean, people's reasons for doing this aren't going to be the same anywhere. Um, but I mean, I think it's safe to say that there's, there's factors of like protest and solidarity at play in addition to just wanting to have like a little bit of like human joy in their life, you know? There have also been a lot of people theorizing that this could all be an operation by the cops. Can you tell us about some of these theories? Yeah, so my coworker Craig Silverman reported on this a little bit. So basically there have been theories that police officers and fire departments have been sort of selling uh, fireworks to to people as a form of psychological warfare, um, as a way of sort of making people nervous and imitating the sounds of war. But I mean, we haven't seen any concrete evidence of this to date, but that's not to discount the fact that, I mean, I mean, we've just seen in historical situations through like the war on drugs and the police are, have and can plant evidence and sort of interfere with activities around a city. And they, this often occurs in like black and brown communities. So it's not to say these fears are coming from nowhere, but at the same time, I mean, just based off of my recording, I'm, I'm kind of seeing a more like intersecting like lattice of factors at play rather than just sort of one, one reason or a situation where it's being sort of led from the top down. I'm just not really seeing evidence of that specifically. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, we have time for one more thing. The last few weeks have been a lot, so we figure there's some of you out there whose frazzled nerves could use a break. And we want to look out for those of you who have been more on edge because of the fireworks displays outside. So for the next few minutes, maybe plug in your headphones, turn down the lights, close your eyes, and breathe as we guide you through a meditation to help us all calm down. Close your eyes. Imagine you are somewhere far, far away. A place where there are no fireworks. Breathe in deep through your nose and let it out. Keep going. Find a rhythm that works for you. Listen to the sound of your own heart. That should be the only boom you're experiencing right now. If you hear a firework, that's okay. Just let it drift away, like a distant memory, just passing you by. (sighs) Okay, I certainly feel better. What about you, Casey? Casey? Casey, wake up! Oh, uh, (laughs) that's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we have our favorite advice giver, BuzzFeed's own Stephen LeConte, back for a new edition of DM911. And remember... The 19 in COVID-19 stands for 2019. You'd think that'd be easy to remember, but apparently the president deleted that information from his brain to expand his personal dictionary of racist names for coronavirus. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. We love reading the reviews, mostly good ones. Send them to us. Thank you. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of Music Lock. Music Lock. 
Hey, Randy, what you doing? Oh, hey, Dave. I'm just making a list of things that make me feel really, really good. Wearing Bombas socks. Trust me, that's number one on my list. Bombas socks feel so good because we use the smartest design and best materials, making them the most comfortable socks ever. Plus, because socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, we donate a pair for every pair purchased, and that feels pretty good, too. To shop Bombas or learn more about how your purchase supports those experiencing homelessness, go to bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first purchase. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, my God. I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey, everybody. Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO, and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played Chuck Bass. Is this Michelle Trachtenberg? I'll never tell. Hey, I'm Taylor Momsen, and I play Jenny Humphrey. Hi, I'm Sebastian Stan, and I played Carter Payson. That was one of the reasons I liked the character Jenny so much, is that she was very relatable. The whole thing was such a joy for me to do, and I was just so thankful that people responded the way they did to what we were doing. This really was just, like, wonderful. I, like, have, like, warm feelings inside. Yeah, me too. I'm giving you air hugs. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Conquer your New Year's resolutions with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, you'll learn how to make the most of your time with practical tools to help you feel less busy and get more done. Listen to Before Breakfast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.